Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, what a great spirit in this place. Amen. I uh, was speaking with uh, uh, Brother Roy and then uh, Brother Doug and just others about just the services and the church and, and just been praying for you guys. I know Brother Jerry's heart is so with you and I know he's in such battle and we've been praying for him and just believing God for some miraculous stuff. Amen. Uh, I saw that Brother Roy decided he'd try to clip his hand off somewhere or another. Couldn't even shake my hand. I was a little disappointed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, need to pray for him that he'll write and pray. But uh, uh, great to see you guys. We've been, um, we miss y'all. We get to go and uh, we've, we've gone a couple of weeks back to the church that we've been attending. And uh, so uh, enjoying that. We're, we're, all right, so let's make a confession. We're churchaholics, basically. Right. So uh, typically on Sunday morning, we go to two different churches. We won't name those churches. There's no need in that. But we go real early to one, and then we go normal time to one. Uh, and then if we can find something in the evening, we'll do that. So uh, it was an incredible honor to be asked to come back even after um, two Sunday mornings. I got invited back. That was pretty exciting. Uh, uh, but uh, we we were prepared to come back last um, the Sunday night, the last Sunday morning. I preached. I was going to come back that Sunday night, but uh, I know that we sort of ran into some complications and decided not to have service that night. And man, I miss church when it's not going on, don't you? Amen. I think there's something about that song that we sing that we miss, and that is the fire that's set down in our soul. A lot of times is when we gather. It's just the where two or more are gathered, it's so important that we gather. Uh, and it's so, it's, it's so uh, fulfilling, it seems like, when we walk away from great fellowship, great conversation, great word, uh, great worship, uh, and all those things are happening here. And so never lose sight of the, the purpose of the gathering. It is where the fire is set. I mean, it's set in these, in these encounters, in these times together. And so we're grateful for the chance to come and uh, to be a part tonight, I'm going to do something that I was going to do the other, the last time, uh, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I, I probably should go a different direction, I've just sort of wrestled over it, but uh, I'm going to pick back up and finish a thought on living in the in-between, because the thing I was going to talk with y'all about last, the last Sunday night that I was scheduled, and, and, and so I'm going to pick back up on that tonight, because I believe it's just the direction of God for us right now. Uh, because we are still in between, right? We still got a lot that's going on around us that we, it, it's not like it was. It's not looking like it's, it, it, it'll be like that again. And so um, that's in the natural. Then the spiritual, I think, even though thing, when things are really going good, there's times when we get caught in the in-between. And there's, there's a word I want to talk about tonight. One word. Just, and it's not, the, it's not that I'm pulling it out of context. Or anything. It's just a word. I want to give you a word. And the, that word is courage courage to live in the in-between what does it look like when i'm in between where i was and what god has for me next what does it look like for me who am i supposed to be how am i supposed to respond in that do i do i hide under the bed do i lock the doors do i do i do i make excuses you know i mean those are all the things that seem to happen in us whenever we find ourselves 
uh, in a transitional or even more so, and the word I'll throw at you is a transformational moment because typically the purpose of God in the in-between is to transform us. So he wants to change us in the in-between. Because where we were, we could say from since this event and or whatever event's going on in your life, you can blame the devil, you can blame somebody else, you can blame all kinds of things, but the scripture makes it pretty good, pretty clear. Uh, it's in Romans 8:28. I'll give you that verse right quick. It says that God causes all things. We know that God causes everything, everything, say everything. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God or are called according to his purpose for them. So, I, you know, this is, a, this is a verse I've lived off of all my life. This is a verse I've stood on, I've practiced in my life. This is a verse that in the in-between I hang on to very tightly because I know there are things that are happening around me, that are happening in me, that are happening that I can and I can't see that God is involved in. Amen? And, and I have to believe that. He will cause everything to work together for the good. Now, it's important that I love him. It's important that I recognize his calling, whatever that is. You know, if that's just to love my neighbor, if that's to go preach the gospel, if that's to be a missionary in some foreign field, you know, whatever it is, if it's to be a greeter at the doors. Amen? Which is what Debbie and I have been doing a lot for, our, for one of the two churches that we go to. Uh, so, so tonight I'm going to talk about courage, and I'm going to give you a thought about that in the sense that the problem is this thought, and it's in the form of a question, okay? How long till a breakthrough, Lord? How many times have you thought that about COVID? How long has you thought that about the church? How long have you thought that about the reopening of businesses. How long is it? Because listen, let's face it, we're down south. They really hadn't done a good job of containing us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going. We're <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. And if this is being taped, forgive me. But uh, but up north, but they lock, they've locked it down tight. And there's got to be people who are wondering how long. How long can this last? How long can this go on? How long can we wait? How long? How long? And in the spirit realm, I think there's a lot of times in our lives we hit those valleys and those dry points and we find ourselves in the in-between and we're asking the question, how long, Lord? How long till the fire set back down in my soul? I, I'm, struggling, I, I, I'm struggling to even get the embers to smoke anymore. I, how long? How, I've been fanning this thing and it's not flaming up. How long? How long before I wake up in the morning thinking about you? Because I haven't done that in a while, Lord. You understand what I'm saying here? So how long till a breakthrough? How long till we see something? I said the first Sunday I preached to that I believe there's a revival coming to the church in the midst of this. Now, I believe that as sure as there's this in-between moment, God's doing something powerful in the church today. I believe we're reaching more people, declaring the gospel in more ways. I believe there is an extension of the gospel in ways never imagined before because we got locked down and we got shut out and we said, that's fine, we'll do it another way. And we started going in every avenue and every direction using every tool possible to, to present the gospel to people. I was sitting in a service this morning. We were in service, and, and they talked about people who ha, that had contacted them online from Pennsylvania, from Tennessee, and people that were just catching their service and commenting on it and how powerful it was. And so I'm saying to you tonight, 
look, I realize that we're in this middle, we're caught in between, we're in this gap, and I know what it was like, I know that God's got an X for us, the, the question and the challenge is, is don't allow that, this moment to be missed. I'm going to give you something right quick. Uh, we asked that question, how long till a breakthrough, for, I believe because of this. I believe we ask that question because we think time dictates opportunity. I think we have in our mind that time dictates opportunity. So we worry that, we worry that because of the time it's taking, we're going to lose opportunity. We're going to lose something in it. Amen? I mean, we do that. I do that driving somewhere. How many of y'all plan the time it takes to get somewhere? Amen? So I'm going to make a confession. We were talking on the way here, and it, we, I, we pulled into Jack's right here and got us his Diet Coke, right? And what did we say? We can stop back and get us some chicken fingers on the way out. Now, if I preach for two hours, that might be jeopardized. Come on. I, so I'm just saying, some of y'all got supper plans. And time, because of time, that dictates opportunity. So your restaurant may close at 8. So I realize, I realize that how we think about time. Time dictates opportunity. So we say, Lord, how long till a breakthrough? But we ask that because we're worried about the time. We're worried about the opportunity that, that we had. Not realizing that God's got a way bigger opportunity coming our way or that we're in. And so here's what I want you to hear about time dictates opportunity. The fact is time does not dictate God's opportunity. He chooses the how, the when, and the where of opportunities he sends. You think about that for a second. God chooses the how, the when, and the where of the opportunities that he sends our way. And so he's not worried about this. He's in tomorrow today. He, he, his opportunity and his his plan is going to be accomplished. I just got to be willing to have the courage to wait on it and to be set and prepared and crying out to him like we just sang. God, set a fire down in my soul. So when God is leading you, his timing is perfect and the opportunity is perfect for you. I'm going to give you my example of that, and then I'm going to go into the message tonight. So this, um, as as You've heard I've retired from pastoral ministry. I took about six months right after it and worked for a, a builder as a project manager for him. I had a great experience there, but always wanted to do my own company again because we had ran a small company for in the early, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and coming out of that, I always thought, Lord, if, you ever, if I ever stopped doing ministry, if you ever lead me in a drift, different direction, that'd be awesome to do again. I sort of like being outside. I like hard work. And so... Uh, I, I got my dose of it. I'm getting plenty of it right now. And uh, But in the midst of me starting a company the first of the year, I had a door open up with a builder, and I've been doing some work for this builder for several weeks, and I've run into some real problems with him. And so I was sort of faced with something this week where, though I've been working with him for a period of time, there was a there was some questions about our work and the, the, what we had performed for him. And the project manager that I was doing it for called and 
you know, called out some stuff, and I, I questioned him about it, and, and so I, it, I'd already had problems with this project manager, and I, I had already built a relationship with the owners, and they love us, uh, and so I thought, well, Lord, is this the time? Because about a, a month ago, I realized I'm going to end up having a face-to-face -face or a conversation at least with the owner about some of the stuff that's happening when he's not there. And so I prayed about it all day for this past week on a Wednesday and Thursday, some things come up. And so I thought, this is it. So I called the owner and I had the conversation. It was a hard conversation. Um, I'll, 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 I'll say it in, in some pretty basic terms right here. Um, I addressed the ownership over inconsistency in communication. The guy was lying to me, the, the project manager. He was lying to me constantly about this stuff. I addressed ownership over failure to approve some POs that I had completed that he said he'd put in, he didn't, and I made the fatal mistake of doing the work before POs were put in, and so he was dragging his feet on it. So he was being very complacent about living up to the agreement that was made. I addressed the fact that the product that I was receiving, so in, in the job I do, I have to, I go in and do, do production cleans to get a house ready for the owner, the new purchaser to move in. So there's about four visits, we clean based off those, and the product I was receiving was so bad that I couldn't get it to the standard that they were wanting because they didn't give me a product good enough. So I told him that, that was straight up. The whole time knowing, look, I probably won't be working for these people after this, but I was wanting to be very—I was wanting to represent Christ through it well. So I, I worked really hard at communicating in honest ways without throwing anybody under the bus, but being able to make sure they understood. And the whole time, the owner said, "David, I know, I know." So he wasn't news to him, but he needed to hear it from me too, and so sort of walked through that whole process. And so I've addressed all these items. I've talked with him about all these different things, and. And after I got through talking with him and going through all this information with him, I just told him, I said, I'm so sorry that I can't provide you the excellence of product that you want. It is, it is out of my character to be able to do that. I said, but at the same time, I, I, believe, I, I believe you know that I could if I was given the, a, a, a product that was excellent in the front side. And he said, I absolutely understand. So we sort of agreed on some stuff. I really don't know if I'm working for them anymore or not. They keep sending me POs to, of work to do. But anyway, I'm not because I told him, I said, this is going to be it. I'm going to go ahead and you can, if you need to pull my name out of the vendor process and all. So I'm at the house. I pull up because I told this to Debbie whenever I got home. This was the, I mean, y'all God is so far ahead of us. Good Lord have mercy. He's so far ahead. He's so, he's so in tomorrow today. So he knew this was coming, right? You agree? God knows what's coming your way, okay? And so I'm, I'm on the phone. I pull my truck up to the house. I shut it off. I just hung up. Just, I mean, I, I let it run until I got through with the conversation because I was on the speaker on the truck. And whenever we got through and I hung up, I switched it off. I step out of the truck. I look behind the house. There's a pastor out there. And so I look out the pastor and I said, well, Lord, I've been obedient. Now what? Just like that. I mean, just, I look out in that pastor and say, okay, Lord, I've been obedient. Because I felt like it's what I was supposed to do. Now what? And immediately my phone, because my pocket, I can't feel my phone good in my pocket, but my phone's connected to my watch. My watch goes around. Look, 
There's a guy's name on there. A builder I've been trying to reach for three months that I have called so many times, checked so many times. I did a little work on the front side. He got in trouble with his painters because the cleaning crew, he did, they were, it looked like we were going to replace them, and I think the painters threatened to walk off the job. And so, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And I look, and I see this guy's name, and I grab my phone out, and it's the same as on my, phone, on my watch, which should be. And I, I, I answered it, and he said, hey, man, look. He said, I'm, I was just calling. I said, can you do, and he named a job, a couple of jobs. He said, can you help us with that? I said, man, I've been waiting on this call. Absolutely, I have it. And so we talk about, and I hang up, and I thought, how, how can anybody question God? How can anybody wonder if God's not in there in between? How can anybody hesitate to take courage in the moments that could cost them the most, that would be a sacrifice, if they know God's for them, who can be against them, right? So, I say all that to tell you, time does not dictate your, the opportunity God gives you. He chooses those how, when, and where's. He chooses it. He's involved in it. If you'll be obedient, if you'll, if you'll be brave, if you'll be sacrificial, if you'll do the things that make up what courage represents, God will show up and do for you what you can't do. 1 Samuel. So we're going to talk about courage, and we're going to look at 1 Samuel again. I want to go to 1 Samuel. It's in chapter 16. If you've got your Bible, it's a story about Samuel. We know, we know that Samuel had been directed in 1 Samuel uh, to, to anoint the next king. The problem was, if you know the story, most of you probably have heard it at some point, but um, the problem was that Saul had lost his anointing. Saul had been disobedient. Saul had trusted his own ways rather than God's ways. He had not been courageous to follow the steps of God. And because of that, he was losing his king kingdom, and he, the spirit had already departed from him, the scripture says, already left him. So we see that Samuel here is directed by God to anoint this, the next king of Israel. And we we. we we read the story and we a lot of times make this whole story about David, young shepherd boy David. But I want to talk to you about Samuel tonight, okay? I know we've talked about David for a couple of times. I want to, I want to look at Samuel because I think Samuel is the epitome of courage in this moment. He represents what we would call the badge of courage for any person who's caught in the in-between, okay? And so when we look at, we look at Samuel, here's what we begin to see. The courage of Samuel to go and anoint David as the next king of Israel is a very, it is a very courageous act. I want to pick up in verse 1, and you can follow along with me. I'm going to talk you through some of these verses. We're going to break it down just a little bit tonight, okay? Now, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. So Samuel had a relationship with Saul. Somebody say amen. And when you have a relationship with someone, and they... They begin to struggle to fulfill the, the, the role that God has placed them in. There is a mourning sets in on you. Amen? And that was what was happening right here. Samuel was, had mourned over Saul, over his condition, over his, over his failures, over his, the flaws in his life, over the call of God on his life, over what he, God intended for him and where he was now. And so there was great mourning happening in him. And it, it says, I have rejected him as king of Israel. So 
fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I am I, I selected one of his sons to be my king. So here we see Samuel, real quick, living in the in-between as God directed, not having more than a city or, or man's name to guide him. Matter of fact, when I read this the first time, thinking about who I am and the, sort of how I function, I have totally become too reliant on, on Google and maps. Somebody say amen, yeah. I mean, y'all, if, if there is such a thing as an EMP blast, Who's got the old atlases? Y'all, come on. I hear you. That's awesome. Hang on to those. They'll be worth something one day. <laughs> I had them. Debbie remembers us traveling back when we first got married. We'd take maps or that big old atlas. We'd find our way all over the world just looking at that thing. You know, the world, it was a south. We never went above Mason Dixon line. But, I mean, that's the world to us. <laughs> Say amen. So, so now I have to put in an address. I get so mad at that, that, that car out there because you got to do it in a certain way. you got to do it for it to find it. And I'm like, nah, my phone's so much easier. So I put it in my phone. Man, look, you can do that. You can find anything nowadays. I remember the, one of the times that we put it in a, in, one, in a phone and we were going to see her brother and sister who had just moved to Valrico, uh, uh, Florida. And so we went down there. You remember that? Late that night. It must have been near midnight. We drove and drove and took the turns it told us. And we came to a to rails and a lake, 12 midnight. Rails, the road goes into water, a lake. What do we do now? You know? So we called Tina and them. They told us, uh, yeah, the, it's a little messed up. No kidding. I can't get to you from here. Here's Samuel. In his day, he is totally reliant on the Spirit of God to speak and direct him to the city and to the man. So he's given the city, Bethlehem. He's given the task, gather up the oil, you're going to go, you're going to anoint the next king. And then he's given the name of the man to find, find Jesse. You're going to invite him to the sacrifice, and in that invitation he'll bring his sons, and you're going to anoint one of those sons. I've chosen one of them. So, so here he is, he's in this process, and I'm looking at it and thinking about how spoiled I am. But then verse 2 goes on and makes this statement. But Samuel asked, so this is a valid question, okay? How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Legitimate question. Amen? Legitimate. Solid, good thought. Why? Saul's unstable. He's already had the spirit depart from him. He's functioning and working out of his own mindset. He's doing things based off what he thinks he's got to do to survive as king. We know the story about him. We can go all the way through the history of him once David was anointed, once people found out about him, how he pursues David, attempt, wants to kill David, wants to get rid of him. He was, I mean, I mean, he was, he was unstable. And Samuel, who had been mourning over the condition of Saul, realizes I'm fixed, my life is fixing to be put at jeopardy. Even if he thought Samuel, even if Saul thought Samuel was being disloyal or jeopardizing this, his leadership, he would have literally took his head off. He'd have had his head. And the question is, who's been there before? I mean, I've not ever been in a place where I worried that my head was going to be chopped off. I admit that. But you realize you're being directed to do something risky. I, I, we went on a mission trip to Macedonia one time took a group of youth with us. This was in 2007. My son was with us. 
And I remember uh, going into one of the areas to do the kids' ministry that we were doing. And as we were doing ministry, the, the border was within three miles, and you could hear the rounds of fire and the mortar and the guns going off. We were that close to, to, to insurgents in a battle that, were going, that was going on. And we preaching the gospel over there. It was more risky, actually, to be with the missionary that I was with because he was unsafe. No, no, I'm just kidding. He's a good friend. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're very seldom have I been put in a position I felt like it was going to be as risky as Samuel's was. But it was, I mean, let's face it, it was risky for me to have a confrontation or a discussion with this builder earlier uh, this week. It's risky because why? Because I'm fixing to lose the income that we had from that. And I'm going to have to trust God, which I said at the first onset of the start of the business. I said, look, God, I'm not trusting any man for income. I'm totally going to trust you. It's, it's been a fun journey. He's been faithful. Uh, the, the, the thing I want you to hear here is only, only when, how do I say this? You realize you've been directed to do something risky only to realize the cost is greater than your ability to pay. That takes courage. And so what happens whenever we face that? Well, immediately the what ifs start. Y'all ever had a case of the what ifs? Yeah. The what ifs begin stirring our minds. Next thing you know, you don't do what God's directing you because you, you, you're not allowing the Spirit to become a power in your life. Why, why would you not do that? What ifs? What ifs? Here's, here's the facts about what ifs. What ifs are, are intended to undermine the lead of God's Spirit if not managed through the power of God's Spirit. So what I mean by that is I have to consider everything, but I can't let what ifs that are not happening at the present control the decisions I make about the future. If I let what ifs control tomorrow, then the power of the Spirit's not working in that. I can let what ifs happen, but I have to manage them through the power of the Spirit. I have to put every one of them under submission to God. What? What, what if they don't agree? What if I can't find employment? What if I can't raise the money? What if I don't have an answer? What if there's no cure? What if it's not God's will? What if, what if, what if? And all of it has to be submitted to God. And when we submit those things to God, watch this. Verse 2 goes on and says, Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that, say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 3, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So here are the elements of courage. I'm going to give you three things real quick tonight. And I want you to listen as we go through them. And then I want at the end of this service for us to take a little time and really search our heart about where we are in between whatever it is that we're facing. I want you to take time to think about where you, what was, and I want you to think about what God has next. And in that in-between space, I want you to think and consider, okay, these three things make up courage. How am I doing with that? So the first one is this. Living in, in between requires obedience. Say obedience. I got to be obedient. I got to obey. Um, say this with me. 
I've done nothing other than follow his lead. Watch this, this verse 4. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. You know what I want said of me whenever I'm, when I pass, when I'm gone on? I want somebody to stand before everybody and say, you know what? He did as the Lord instructed. That's all I need. I'd like to know that in my last moments, that whoever it is that's speaking anything over me would be able to say, David did as the Lord instructed. You see, obedience is so critical. There's an old hymn that you guys know, and would, would, I'll just mention it. It's an old song that we used to sing, Trust and Obey, Trust and Obey, right? Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So what is happiness in Jesus? It's obedience. It's for us to get in that place where that we're walking in obedience, that, that we're, we're obedient. Because when we're obedient, when we're obedient, we know that God is before us, he is behind us, he is beside us, he is over us, he is under us. When we're obedient, we're in his will. And when we're in his will, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. There's nothing we have, I mean, Saul had a lot at stake right here, but he knew, he knew that he wasn't served, I'm not Saul, Samuel had a lot of stake right here, but he knew that he wasn't trusting Saul, he was trusting the Lord. He wasn't obeying Saul, he was obeying the Lord. And so when it says, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed, it takes us into a, 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 a place when we are in the in-between, the challenge is obedience. The challenge is to say yes to the Lord. I, I, I will be accountable. I will be, I will be, I will be um, an ambassador for you, whatever you want. Verse 4, when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Did you come in peace? You know why they did that? wasn't Samuel they were scared of. Samuel was the prophet of God, but he was a servant to who? To Saul. And they were worried that Saul, who was unstable, was fixing to call something down, create some kind of problem. So he says, yes, Samuel replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And Samuel performed the purification rites for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So not only do we need to, in the in-between, not only is, 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 is obedience required, but bravery is required. And I'm going to explain that to you in this passage right here. I believe that in the in-between moments of our lives, we're, we, are, we are called on to discover God's will and his ways in those moments. Look, right now what we're all after is what is God's will? What is God's will? What is his ways right now? His ways are higher than mine. I, his thoughts are higher than mine. I need to be thinking those things. I need to be doing those things. 
So how do I do that, Lord, in the in-between? Where am I? I'm in this gap from where I was and where you're calling me to next. What do I do? So bravery is required, and I believe Samuel's courage to take the heifer with him as a sacrifice, it was literally an act of bravery in the face of imminent danger because the, the, everybody knew, everybody knew that what was represented right here in the heifer was a sacrifice, and it was a, it was a sacrifice that either could be a sacrifice of anointing of, of peace or it could be a sacrifice of anointing of, here, we're fixing to get rid of everybody. Fixing to change this thing. Bravery defined as cur- courageous behavior or character. Bravery performed is when an individual's actions are intelligently performed in the line of duty at imminent and personal danger to life. So here's what, what all I want you to hear about this. Samuel met all these descriptions, did so because he had heard from God. Look, you want to be brave in the in between? Get with God. Hear him. Obey him. Obedience fuels bravery. Whenever you start walking in obedience, when you start walking in obedience and seeing him work, I'm telling you, Thursday, I, I, God's always been so good and gracious to me to work with me and to overlook my shortcomings and to, to, to create opportunities for me to find him and to discover him. And so in the midst, so this week, whenever that phone call came, as soon as I hung up almost and made the statement, Lord, I've been obedient, what now? And that phone call came, I immediately realized, God, you love me so goodness. You love me so much. I mean, even when I'm disobedient and unfaithful, he is faithful. But listen, he loves you so much. Don't fear the obedience, because with it, it fuels bravery. And both of those things are acts on our part, anointed by the Spirit of God in us, doing the things that we think are extraordinary or that are outside of our comfort zone, whatever that looks like for you. But the end result, the thing that we really begin to realize in this is, is, is the love of God, how He expresses that love to us, how quick He is to express that love to us. So, let's get to the last. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea, and Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. Same way all seven Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, so Samuel's in a tight right now, guys, Right? Right, I mean, he's in a tie. Why? Because they, the seven boys walked through and God shut the door on all of them. So he's, he's been sent here to anoint one of Jesse's sons. What am I going to do? So Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And there's still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Why did he say that? Because he knew the one that was sent would run harder and faster because everybody was hungry my thought so Jesse sent for him he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes and the Lord said this is the one anoint him I, okay so I'm laughing here because I got I, I, I mean to me this is the most confused one of the most confusing verses in the scripture 
I think I, I think I have somewhat of an answer, but I don't know that I do. And I, I say it's confusing because of Eliab. Right? You remember reading Eliab. You remember the first son. What happened? Samuel looked at him. Dude, this is the guy. Look at him. Oh, he's. And what did the Lord said? No, 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 no. Outward appearance. That's not what we're going about. I'm looking at the heart. In comes David. What does the scripture do? Immediately. Dark, handsome, beautiful eyes. I mean, come on, ladies. That's the guy you're looking for. Right? I mean, let's, let's just get that out there. Dark, handsome, beautiful eyes. I don't know what my eyes look like, but I'm just saying, that's the crazy. I mean, here God, I mean, the scripture defines David exactly the way Samuel had thought about and thought he saw Eliab. God says, oh, no, no, that's not him. I'm looking at the heart, but I want to make sure everybody knows what David looked like. So I'm going to get personal with you right quick. Why does the scripture basically rebuke Samuel for his thoughts about the outward appearance of Eliab and then accentuate the outward appearance of David for God's confirmation of it? Was that important? Is that important? And that brings me to the third of the in-between requirements. So we know living in the in-between requires obedience. We know living in the in-between requires bravery. I think living in the in-between requires sacrifice too and what is sacrifice here sacrifice is the the preparedness on our part it's the spiritual mental and physical preparedness to be ready on a moment's notice if the lord says speak you're ready to speak if the lord says address this you're ready to address it if the lord says i want to send you somewhere okay so let's talk about that for just a second if the lord says he wants to send you into another country to do ministry are you financially prepared for that i mean i know you have to raise the funds but could you let go from here and go to there see that's a preparedness if the lord tells you that you're supposed to go do something that's going to require a lot of physical labor are you physically able to do that so i'm just saying that's why i say it's personal is because I think we can get comfortable in the in-between. I've got a friend, just went down uh, this past week, uh, well, this past Friday, I was, I, I sort of closed the door, so I had some free time Friday. Uh, sorry, I didn't, the Lord did. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about with the builder. Anyway, so Friday, we got up, we went down, we worked some at my hunting club, our hunting club. Anyway, personalizing too much stuff right here. So we went down, we worked on a shooting house. We were building a shooting house. The guy that was with me just went through 28 days of treatment for prostate cancer. Uh, he's doing great, didn't get sick through any of it. We get down there, and I mean uh, by about 12 o'clock and only eating a candy bar, he's, go, he's, he's exhausted. And I realized, dude, I'm stretching him too much. I'm pushing him too hard. So I tell him, go sit down. I tell him, you know, get, get you some water. You'll be fine. And he won't sit down if I don't sit down, and I don't want to sit down, but I go sit down. You know what I mean? You got to do it. Yeah. So we do all that. And, and he, what happened is, is during this time, he had really just sort of stayed at the house. Somebody say amen. And he had stayed at the house too much and done too much of what you do at the house, which is what? You eat. Sit around and eat. <laughs> Let's put those together. Amen. So I know this is personal, but I'm just going to get it out there. You Look. We have to be ready. Yeah. 
between, we have to be ready. We can't drop our guard. If we do, the what ifs will take us over. So here's the situation. Living in the in-between requires sacrifice. What is the sacrifice? It is the sacrifice of constantly saying, Lord, if today's the day, I'm ready. Whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. I'd have never dreamed I'd be doing what I'm doing five years ago, and i be honest with you, it's hard work. It's work God has me doing now, and Knowing what I'll be doing five years from now, I don't. I don't have a clue, but I know this. I'm going to be ready for it. Amen? I'm going to be ready for it because I know that's the sacrifice I'm called on. I know that's the way I have, I'm, I have to think. I know that's uh, so I'm, I'm strange. Debbie's learned when we go in a restaurant, I always sit where I can see the door. Amen? I always sit where I ain't. Why? Because I want to see who's coming and going. I'm just that way. I'm just, and that's, I don't know why those things have happened to me over the years, but it's just a process of thinking. It's a way of, of caring. It's a, it's, a, it's a readiness that we have to be in all the time. And that spiritual readiness is needed as just as all the other readiness is. Verse 13 says, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. God's plan when we're living in the in-between includes giving us courage to stand in the anointing. What is the anointing that you need today? What do you need? Do you need an anointing to reach a, a, a wayward child? Do you need an anointing to love a neighbor that you avoid at all costs? I mean, I'm just speaking from personal experience. I've been in Walmart and picked other aisles. Say amen. You know what I'm talking about. I don't really want to talk to that person today. I'm going to go around this way. Do you need an anointing to say no to something that you are considering, that you are contemplating, that you know is detrimental to your spirit and your soul? Do you need an anointing? Because God, it's in the in-between that God gives us courage to stand in that anointing. It's in the in-between that if we will obey, if we will be brave in answering whatever it is God's calling us to do, and if we will be sacrificial, meaning constantly at the ready, constantly willing. Samuel was sacrificial from beginning to end. He knew it was the sacrifice of his life to do it. He knew it would be the sacrifice of, of, of the oil and the, uh, the, the, the heifers to do it. He, and, and in the midst of all of it, he performed what he was called on to do because he was courageous. What is it you're being called to do? 
What is it that God wants to anoint you to do? Who is it he wants to anoint you to reach? Where is it he wants to anoint you to go? Not too long after David was anointed, but while Saul was still the reigning king, you, 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 if you've read much of the scripture and the story of David, you know that there was this, this group called Philistines, that there was this battle that was beginning to be waged, and that in the midst of that, David takes sandwiches to his brothers and gets there and realizes that there's this guy that's on this other side of this field that is part of the army of the Philistines that they call Goliath. And he was a giant of a man. We know all, you, you probably know all that. What I think is important about that battle is not that David took the stones and that he rented, he took the five stones, he went out, he used the stone to defeat Goliath. He cuts his head off just just as he declared he was going to do. I think what is important is, is that what sparked that. So I want to give you what I believe should spark courage in us. You ready? It's when David heard what Goliath was saying. It's when David heard what Goliath was saying. When David heard what he was saying and saw what he was doing, without even seeing him, he rushed to the front lines. We, I, I'm going to read this little story to you. I want to I tell you, I think this is, this is from 1 Samuel 17. I think that the reply of David is important, but I believe what sparked it is even more important because what will spark courage in you? What is going to be the thing that sparks you to go to the mission field, sparks you to go to your neighbor, sparks you to give like you've never given, sparks you to, to become an intercessor. What is that thing that's going to spark that? Because something sparked David, and it was the words of Goliath. It was the lies that he was declaring. It was the untruths that he was stating. It was the boldness by which he stood in the field and the cowardice that he saw around him. And it was the knowledge that David had that, look, I've fought all kinds of things and God's been with me. What is this guy? 1 Samuel 40, 17, 45 through 47. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, not, by sword, not, not with sword and spear, but in the Lord's battle. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Have you forgot? This is the Lord's battle. It's easy to do, though, isn't it? We can get so busy, and we can be so fearful, and we can hear all the what ifs, and at some point we lose sight that this is the Lord's battle. This 
is the Lord's house. Guess what? This is the Lord's church. This church doesn't belong to Brother Jerry or to me, to you. It is the Lord's church. Amen? We can be worried about what state people are in in the relationship to the church and all that, but look, here's the answer to that. This is the Lord's church. And though we're in an in-between time, this church will be built by the word of the Lord. And God's anointing is on this church. And there's people coming to this church that are going to find Christ. Have we forgotten? This is the Lord's house. Have you forgotten that you are the Lord's child and how much he loves you? You worry about what if, what if, what if, and I'm saying to you, look, just obey. Trust and obey. Just be brave to do whatever it is he says do. And in the end, I know, I know that it will look like a sacrifice, but it won't be a sacrifice. It'll be more than you could have ever imagined coming to you. What is it? What is your in-between? And what do you need courage about? You need courage to believe for healing? You need courage to believe for someone's salvation? Do you need salvation? You need courage to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? You need courage to submit to your husband as unto the Lord? You need courage? You need courage to train up your children the way they should go so that when they're old they won't depart from it? You need courage? You need courage to take that step towards transformation. You need courage to take that new job or to leave the job you have because of what it's costing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm just, I don't, I'm not saying any of this is prophetic right here. This is just all the what ifs. What if, what if? You need courage to answer the call of God. What do you need? God loves you. And he wants to express that love to you. He wants to, he wants to anoint your head with oil. He wants you to walk out of this place with a powerful anointing from this day forward. A powerful, can you imagine what did that look like for David? <laughs> I've thought about that so much. What did that look like? I mean, did he go around and just touch people and they fall out? Probably not. I mean, I've, I've seen those anointing. I'm just saying for David, what was it? It was to do whatever God asked him to do and to do it with everything within his might. Faced Goliath. Danced until he was in his whitey tighties. If you missed that message, that's your fault. I won't revisit that, but I'm just saying. You understand what I'm saying? 
what, what is it? Because David did a lot of stuff from that point on. He didn't. He had a whole army of guys in a cave with him, and he could have taken the life of Saul because God put him right there at him. But he said, I won't touch God's anointing. That was the greater anointing on David. You understand that? That was the greater anointing on him. That was, that was the courage that we're talking about. To not do what you could do because you know what is right in the eyes of the Lord. What is that? Does that stay pure until marriage? Sexually? I think it is. Is that to give up habits that are affecting those around you that you act like they're not? I think it is. I mean, we could just talk about, I could, we just, we, we can throw a lot, we can throw a lot out there that falls under the anointing God wants to put on you to do something powerful from this day forward. Is it to go lay hands on someone who's sick that you've been hesitant to do because you know God has been speaking to you about praying for them? Father, we just come to you right now. Your spirit is so present, so present. There is... There's an anointing in this place that's been here, not because of me, but because you are here. Because you have you've assembled and called these people together and because of the love they have one another and the commitment they have to one another, there's something powerful about the gatherings that they do. And it's a power that works through them and within them. It's the Holy Spirit uniting them in communion together. And it's in that place that you do the mighty mighty works when we think of what we just read we see that david wasn't pulled to the side and anointed david was placed in the center of his brothers with jesse standing there and he was anointed so tonight if anyone needs an anointing to be courageous when they go out if anyone needs courage to face some obstacles to face the 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 breakthrough over habits that are destructive in their life. If they, need, if they need courage to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, no matter what anybody else thinks, let it happen among those who love them, who are family. Let it happen tonight to them. Let it happen now. Now. How about standing with me? everyone in this place look if you need prayer if you need and someone to agree with you over something that you're facing that you need courage to face i want you to come and just stand across this altar i'm not going to call out or ask what it is i just want to join uh, a few of the, you who have joined with us and we're just going to go through and we're just going to lay hands on you we're going to believe for a an anointing to come on you to to break habits to to, to anoint you to declare the gospel, to obey God, to make whatever sacrifice it is, whatever it is. I just want to take this time. I want to open this altar. I don't want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance to really say before the Lord, Lord, I surrender to this.
I will wait for the breakthrough. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. This is the fitness test. This is the fitness test. Are you, are you ready to do whatever it is God's calling you to do? Because he wants to anoint you with courage to do that. Will you come to this altar? Anyone here who has a need, put your hand up in the air right now. Put your hand up in the air and say, I got a need, and I just want you to respond to that by walking down here and letting us pray with you and agree with you right now in the name of Jesus. Just stand right here. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You got something you're facing that you need courage to face it, and you need an anointing to come on you that'll bring a breakthrough. Anyone else? Come on. Come on. Just come down. Stand across the front. And, I, and look, man, I feel so comfortable saying this. Evangel. You guys are anointed. If you see people that are standing down here that you love and that you're believing God will, will bring a breakthrough in their life, come stand with them. It's just come get down here with them and stand behind them, and let's agree for them right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just agree.